everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shred's Takes. Appreciate you being back on with this program. After about a week hiatus, I'm back, ready to talk some sports, ready to talk some Jordan documentary, and also about the primetime NBA players that were ranked on first taken by ESPN last week. Very, very excited to talk about this kind of stuff. It's going to be very, very interesting overall what happens. Anyway, you know, I think that I'm going to start out with the Jordan documentary and talk about what everyone has been talking about with these last two episodes that came out before. Jordan's mentality and his leadership style and whether that bodes well for people to lead in the future in that certain manner. You know, Jordan was a, a really tough leader. He was he got into guys, he got into fights, he demanded a lot from his teammates because he believed that they had to be working and doing everything as great as he could. And he demanded that, that sense of excellence in a really harsh way. But if you ask any of his teammates now, they would say he was a great teammate. But during that moment, a lot of them didn't really like him very much because he got into them and he was cursing them out and calling them no good and that kind of stuff in order to further further the toughness that they had to build in order to be that good going forward. Because Jordan was about winning. That was his whole mindset, his whole way to get people to adhere to what his demands are. He wanted to win championships. He wanted to be the best player, which he is, of all time. And he pushed people to get to that level of greatness in ways that I think leadership styles today would not work with. Um, I don't think his style would work well today because a lot of people I don't think have that type of level of greatness to be able to put that kind of leadership style together and have your teammates still like you at the end of the day. I understand his mentality, though. His mentality was win at all costs. And you win at all costs by maybe not being liked by your teammates, but you win. And I believe that Jordan proved that you can win by any cost, even if your teammates don't like you, even if you're not fair to your teammates. You're going to win. And I think that, you know, yeah, he picked on guys like Steve Kerr and Will Perdue and Bill Wellington and other guys and Scott Burrell. Those guys became tougher, though, and better players, even though his leadership style was really harsh and, you know, tough to deal with. But the fact that he was like doing selective prosecution, I'm not sure I believe with that statement. I believe that what Jordan was doing was more the fact of, he wanted to to win at all costs and he wanted to prove to people that he could win no matter what. And I think that's the most important thing. The most important thing is for him to be able to, you know, most important thing is be able to win and be able to win consistently and you know, Jordan was, you know, the epitome of that. You know, he won consistently when he was in, and teams feared him. You know, 
The only issue with his leadership style, though, is not understanding the entire personalities of your team. I think it's a big portion of leadership because I think you, you have to lead different ways to different people. Some people deserve Jordan's kind of leadership style because they might need that kind of yelling and glittering in the sense of them making them better. But some people are naturally more sensitive and harder on themselves. And that's where you got to be a little bit more comforting as a leader and that kind of stuff, because that allows them to feel they're still part of the team and they're still getting better. But that's the importance of leadership is that you can't lead necessarily one way. Jordan's way worked because he was so great that his team kind of, his team fell in line and he was able to get to that peak in a sense of winning a lot of games and being successful and doing all that kind of stuff. But that leadership style doesn't work for everyone because different guys need different kind of critiques and that kind of stuff and based on how their personality is. You see some of the great leaders, they're like, you know, people don't say maybe like, like LeBron James as a player. He is a good leader. He's done a lot of great things. And his teammates don't, a lot of them don't necessarily hate the guy. Um, and, you know, it's because usually when he's playing a game, he understands what players' tendencies are. He understands what how players act on and off the court. And you see the way he's leading the Lakers this year. You know, that team is not as talented as a team like the Clippers. But they're the best team in the West up until this point because – he led them in a way that made everyone feel included. And he gave everyone a sense of purpose, but he led in different ways to the different personalities of the team. He was harder on guys he had to be harder on, you know, and he was more comforting to guys that needed that. And like a guy like Kyle Kuzma, he's not, wasn't maybe as hard on Kyle Kuzma. His Kuzma is already getting in his own head a lot of times if he's missing shots because Kuzma's having a down year compared to past years. But he's probably more comforting to a guy like Alex Caruso because Alex Caruso goes out there and plays really hard and is probably, and you know, LeBron understands that. So a lot of times LeBron just see, you know, that kind of stuff. But LeBron might be harder on, you know, a guy um, like Dwight because you have to keep Dwight in check with um, making sure he's doing the right things on and off the court because Dwight's had problems with not always being there and playing to his best ability and not being fully all in. Anyway, I just think that was just a really interesting piece on his leadership. And I think it was just interesting overall because I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand the nuances behind Jordan's leadership style and the way he kind of makes people look like it, it rubbed off the wrong way, but also the sense of, you know, it may have rubbed off the wrong way, but he won championships and he won a lot of them and he never lost and he never went to a game seven, you know? So, you know, I think it's a really interesting debate to see like if that leadership style would have still worked today, it worked then. Um, and I understand that a lot of people made, I didn't like it, but, that was his mentality, and that was what he believed he was doing to better the team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a really interesting piece overall, and I think it's also interesting to understand how um, Jordan really, you know, just has opened up his personality and his game to everyone around him, which I think a lot of people weren't going to expect at first, if that makes any sense, because – 
Jordan's not really that type of person. He, at least from what I've read, he is way more keep to himself and not share many things with the public, which is perfectly fine, especially when you're in that, that kind of player and you're in that spotlight for so many years. But I think that's just the uh, important piece to take away from all this kind of stuff is, you know, um, what exactly, you know, this means in terms of leadership and why this is ideally so important. Um, yeah. So I'm also going to talk about in Jordan documentaries, the, the battle he had with Gary Payton and, you know, everyone saw him laugh at Gary Payton and that just shows that again, the Jordan's mentality and that kind of stuff. But if you look at the stats, Gary Payton actually held Jordan to the, worst finals stats of his career. Um, you know, Jordan actually in every other finals, I looked it up the other day, and he averaged over 30 points a game. And, yeah, he his his lowest total was that series against the Super Sox of 27.3. And every other finals was 31 points or better. Lakers, 31 points. Trailblazers, 35.8. Suns averaged 41 points a game. The Supersonics was 27.3. The Jazz, 1996 to 97, was 32.3. And 97 to 98 was 33.5. And he shot the worst field goal percentage against the Supersonics, the worst. And he, but he did shoot a really good free throw percentage in that series because he was probably getting fouled all the time. But he had the highest turnovers out of any finals and that kind of stuff. So. You know, it's a very interesting kind of thing saying, you know, did Gary Payton actually his strategy work? And, you know, of course, Jordan's going to say no. And, and it probably, he, I mean, still, he yeah, was 27, so not really. But Gary Payton did do the, probably the best job that many guys could do on a, on a Jordan in the NBA Finals. Now, you can say guys like the, the Knicks or the Pistons, because they, they, they were really physical with him and they would tire him out. But that's kind of what Gary Payton's strategy was. And Gary Payton was an all-time – he's an all-time great defender. He is one – I think he's gotten to nine uh, first-team – NBA all-first teams for defense and or just nine teams in general. And, you know, I think that's an interesting point. He's saying, you know, what was it really a strategy just to contain Jordan was to tire him out because some of the other teams did. Because, he, you know, he averaged 27 points, which is still remarkable. But his finals average is over 32 points a game. And I don't know. I found that I just found that overall really interesting. That whole debate and just shows that level. Jordan just did not did not care for whatever people had to say, and he knew he was just going to annihilate them regardless. Um, that's just kind of who he was. That's who he was, and that's who he always has been in his career. His sense is like I'm going to win at all costs. I'm going to annihilate you every night. I'm going to take this matchup seriously. And anything anything bothered him. For example, you know. I remember, you know, uh, he had like a few with John Cal Perry, you know, and that kind of stuff and in a game or whatever. But you know, I'll talk about it later. But, you know, it was just really interesting overall because I remember he, you know, he just he took things personally, um, saying like these guys are better than him or, you know, Jerry Krause like this guy. So I'm going to go after him. And it was just it was just a really interesting dynamic. He just, you know, he just, just you know. He just did not care for maybe sometimes even his teammates at times. He'd just be like, all right, I'm going to go kill this dude because because I can't. And um, I think that was just a really interesting point overall that people just didn't really think about. I mean, the fact that 
he had that annihilation mentality was something I think that a lot of people knew. The fact that he just did not even care for a guy like what Gary Payton had to say. You know, Gary Payton did the best job in the finals out of any of the finals that he had. And, um, you know, he holds, he holds a finals record against the Suns for averaging 41 points in the series. Just shows you, again, Jordan is so great. Even when you have a great defensive series against him, he still puts up 27 points. So I think that's overall just the uh, important piece of it. And I think that he just – he shows how great of a player he is, but also how tough his mentality was in those great situations in order to, you know, beat teams and dominate them in any way he knew how. I think that's just a really important piece and something that a lot of younger players can take today is a sense of, you know, having that competitive mindset, but being able to be really tough and have the confidence to go through it is something that a lot of people, you know, struggle with and or some people just, you know, care a little too much about. You know, it's important to be there for your teammates and care about your team, but if you want to win, you got to have that confidence that you win win at any cost for your team. Not saying in terms of leadership style, but in terms of on the court, I'm going to do anything I can to help the team win. You know, and that's um, something a lot of athletes uh, should look into. And I think this Jordan documentary is really – helpful in that sense of that, you know, if you want to be a player like Jordan, you got to be working just as hard and have that mentality that you're going to annihilate anyone and everyone in your way. That's just, I think the piece that a lot of people don't get. And, you know, I think it's interesting too, because I think the fact that, you know, Jordan is just that guy makes me understand kind of what he had to go through. Also, I think the, the fact that he was able to be so resilient and, you know, you know, for example, he came back to the NBA basketball and after his Red Sox, uh, White Sox retirement, and, well, White Sox let him go or he like left the White Sox, you know, and how he retired because, you know, all the pain with the media and his dad and everything like that. I think that speaks a lot to his resiliency. And I think a lot of people kind of glossed over that in a lot of sports debates. But the fact that he came back in 95 – and played like seven games. Yeah, he was out of shape. But the fact that he did that uh, between Space Jam and he did the Jordan Dome and had all those NBA players come in and he got a chance to size himself up early against them so then when he's in the season, he knows what he needs to do to beat these guys. I think that's, you know, that's the point I think that a lot of people are missing is the fact that he was so resilient in times of turmoil and struggle that that kind of, didn't uh, people don't really understand how much he was able to persevere through tough times like you know losing your dad i mean that's it's horrible the way they the way he was you know killed and everything like that you know that, that was basically jordan's rock and that led him to go to baseball but then you know the fact that he came back and he said you know what i didn't play well against the magic anyway i'll play like seven games i'm going to go back and i'm going to work harder than everyone else and i'm going to be better than everyone else next year and he was he was. He won 70, 72 games the next year. I just, you know, I, he's a, he just amazes me every time I watch this because obviously I didn't grow up in that generation. I didn't grow up watching him. But watching this old tape, it just shows me just how great he is. And what he did to get to that point is just so inspirational. You know, he's, he's a guy that was, that was kind of counted out a little bit in high school and then, you know, became this 
franchise talent and the best player to ever play. It's just it's unbelievable. It speaks volumes to the kind of player he is and what he's done. Along with those lines, I saw the um, they are ranking the top 74 players on ESPN, and I saw the 1 through 10 list. So Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant's, Tim Duggan, Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. Now, people have debated this list, whether some person should be on or whatever. I actually side more with Jalen Rose. I do. I just don't have Bill Russell above him. Um, this is in terms of LeBron James. Jordan's number one, in my opinion. You have Kareem, two. Then I say you have Magic, three. LeBron, four. Bill Russell, five. Then you have Wiltz and then Bird. And then I probably go Duncan. I probably go Kobe, Duncan, Shaq. You know, um, and you know. So if I get again, the, my list would be one Michael Jordan, two Kareem, three Magic, four LeBron, five Bill Russell, six Wilt. Kind of think about. It, I'm gonna put Kobe at seven, Larry Bird at eight. Tim Duncan at nine and Shaq at ten. I think that's a good list, but I just I would rework it a little bit because I think Kobe's a greater player than Larry Bird. That's debatable, probably if everybody will say that, but he's won more championships, and I think even with Shaq, he was you know the one A. He wasn't clearly one and two, and you know he was so good for so long. Larry Bird was unbelievable, and I think Larry Bird's actually got that is really really underappreciated. There's a very good debate that he's better than LeBron James. I personally do not believe so, but Larry Bird is a guy you give the ball to in the last two minutes of the game and say, go win it. Kobe's kind of the same way, though. Kobe was so clutch. And Kobe was basically like, if people want to say who was the, who was the, the next form of MJ, Kobe was that. Kobe played exactly like him, you know, acted a very similar to him. And um, <clears throat> I think that's a piece that people, you know, just don't, Get is that I think Kobe is very underappreciated, but I think Larry Bird's underappreciated too. I don't think a lot of people respect, you know, who he is and that kind of stuff. So I think it's just interesting overall what's going on in um, that rankings. And look, I think it's a great thing that they made the rankings. I think it's interesting that they did that because, in my opinion, there was some debate yesterday on, like, Will Chamberlain belongs in this list. Will Chamberlain belongs at six. He's not better than Bill Russell because he didn't beat him. But he was the most dominant force in sports in terms of basketball. That's my opinion. Shaq, people might say that. That's recency bias. No one understands that Will Chamberlain had 50 points for a season and 25 rebounds. Yeah, did he beat Bill Russell? No, he didn't beat Bill Russell. But – doesn't mean he sucked either. He was a better player. He wasn't a greater player. 
He had better stats. But Bill Russell beat him every time because Bill Russell was a better defender. Bill Russell did more for his team in terms of winning the champion. Bill Russell also had a whole host of Hall of Famers. And I think that's really important. Um, going down, the, I mean, obviously, you know, Michael Jordan's the best, but I think that that list is very interesting overall. And, you know, I think, look, I'm going to look at, obviously, the other uh, rankings, and I'm going to talk about those too because I think these are also worthy of those kind of things. You know, and, you know, you have interesting now. They have – I'm looking at the 40 through 11 rankings, and yeah, I think that these these rankings are interesting, and um, I think Isaiah Thomas is too low on this list. I think he's way more accomplished than a lot of the guys on this list. Yeah, I definitely do. I think he's way more accomplished. I'm looking at the list now. You're telling me this guy's not better than John Stockton, Steve Nash? Steph Curry is higher ranked than Kevin Durant? That's that that is just BS. That's a horrible list from 411. Wow, that's really bad. Where's Dr. J? Wow, this list is horrible. I'm looking at 40 through 11 right now, guys. And Giannis is 27. And I'm looking at – sorry, I'm just continuing to look right now. Julius Erwin at 15, I agree with that. Kevin Durant at 14, Steph Curry at 13. That's horrible. Steph Curry's not better than Kevin Durant. It's not better at all. He's won more championships, and he wasn't even the finals MVP in any of them. You're telling me that guy's greater than a guy who's a career 27-point scorer and probably the most efficient scorer ever? There's no way. No way that that's true. That's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I think that the – I agreed a lot with the 1 through 10 list. 40 through 11 is a pretty bad list, in my opinion, the way they put people. I see that Thomas is too low. Kevin Durant is, is lower than Steph Curry. That should never be the case. Giannis Tempacumpo better than guys like Steve Nash, AI? I, I, I'm i sorry, not yet. He's too young. He hasn't, he hasn't really accomplished anything besides winning maybe two MVPs. He got the Eastern Conference Finals once. Will he be greater? Yeah, I think he will be. But it's too young. He's too early to tell what Giannis is going to be. Kawhi Leonard has won two championships, so I see, I can see why you put him at twenty five. I can see that. I, I I can understand that for sure. But do I really believe that he's that man? No. I I I think he's no. I just I just don't. I just that that's one that just shocks me. That Kevin Durant is worse than Steph Curry. That is just. Very blasphemous. And I think that, 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 I don't know, I just found that really, really odd. Odd and overall. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I just don't really understand that at all. And, you know, 
really don't get the fact of why this had to happen and why they paint. Like, I don't know what justifies Steph Curry being better than Kevin Durant, but, or Isaiah Thomas being 31 and Giannis being 27. That's not, Isaiah Thomas is way underappreciated. People don't realize how great he was. They don't understand it. I mean, I can make an argument he's better than Steph Curry. I could make an argument. He won two finals. He beat Michael Jordan's Bulls. I don't think Steph Curry would do that by himself. Steph Curry's an unbelievable player. Unbelievable. Best shooter to ever play. And I'm not discrediting Steph Curry as a player. I'm just saying that I think Isaiah Thomas is a better player than him. I do. I do. I do think he's better. And, I mean, you know, I think that's just a piece of the, you know, look. Yeah, stats might not be as good. Okay, that's fine. But the era he played in and the teams that he beat, I think, are more worthy of that. Steph Curry did play win two championships with Kevin Durant. So let's just put that into consideration. Isaiah Thomas did not have the talent the Warriors had either. Um, but, you know, I think that's a great debate. And I think that, you know, can be debated like this shows how great these players are and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think the last point I wanted to bring up today, um, and I think it's interesting too, is obviously everyone has been looking at, one, the primetime NBA rankings that they've done for the current players now, and two, the news about NBA teams opening up their facilities. So these are the, like the last two things I kind of want to talk about in brief detail and kind of go into what I think about both. So as you see from 15 through 12, it was Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. Do I, and I think the people want to debate, do you think Paul George is greater than a guy like Russell Westbrook? My answer is no. I don't believe that because I think Russell Westbrook has done more. Um, I think also this year, Russell Westbrook has proven that he's better, but – Paul George did an MVP season, but I think that's a credit to Russell Westbrook. But do I think Russell Westbrook's a top 10 player? I think he's borderline. I think it's, do you take him or Damian Lillard? That's who I really debated against. Do you take him or Damian Lillard? Do you think Damian Lillard is a better player? In that case, that's tough. You know, I think that's where I think the rankings are, are hard to come by because you can't take out of like a whole host of guys. Can't get AK, KD, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, Harden. AD, um, you know, Steph Curry. You can't take those guys out. But would you say Russell Westbrook's better than Damian Lillard? Based on how they've played against each other in the playoffs, I would say no, but and it's a very hard debate. I mean, that, that, you know, that, that's what the great thing about sports is you have to look at the stats, look how they do it ahead. head. I personally think Damian's a little bit more clutch. I think Russell Westbrook's a guy you take for the first 46 minutes. Like Stephen A made a good point about that. But my thing is, you know, a guy's greater if he's consistently doing that. Like, Damian Lord's an unbelievable scorer, and he's, and he's more clutch. That's just my opinion. And that's where I think on that. And the, and the other guys, I think, are, are ranked well. I think that they, they, the rankings make sense. Besides, I think Russell Westbrook can be really heavily debated. But I think the other guys are in a good spot. And on the idea of the NBA teams opening their facilities, I think that's, that's good news that they're thinking about that. And – 
how Adam Silver is going to ha- have a two to four week timetable to figure out what he wants to do progressing next for this kind of situation. But my thing is you want to make sure that everyone is keeping the same proper understanding of what's going on and, you know, understand how severe this virus still is while you're opening team facilities. Look, do we want the NBA season back and back? Yes. Do I want to be playing college basketball again? Yes. But the health of people comes first and we got to find a way to handle this virus better. And NBA teams are going to be okay with no cases when they go back to play. This could be a great thing because they could start the season sooner rather than later, or it could be a disaster. And, um, yep. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just an interesting point to bring up and see what's going on, but you know, I think that today that's going to conclude the podcast episode today. Um, stay tuned. We're going to be back on this Sunday, uh, talking about some more sports issues and look forward to having you guys tune in then. And that being said, thank you so much for tuning in and peace.